Well, again, good morning. My name is Pastor Bill. I want to welcome you to the last day of the Travel Light Sermon Series. I know you're crushed. You want more, but leave them hanging is what they always say. <laughs> so what we're talking about today is travel light. This is not just travel as in summer travel. This is travel as in a spiritual journey. And so where we've been, in case you want to catch up, we're on the last one today. It's work toward. The uh, other ones are always available on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page, on our website, if you want to go back and catch any of these and see how it all ties together so that as we journey on this thing called the, the walk with Christ, we become more like Christ. We look more like Christ. We sound more like Christ. And I hope act more like Christ. That is the whole goal. So today we're working toward, we've been out, up, and through. Today is toward. Now, I want to start with a trivia question how many people know who Morgan Spurlock is? That's what I thought. I, seriously? One. Jimmy knows who Morgan Spurlock is. This is awesome. <laughs> the, the yes. Nice. <laughs> there he is. Morgan Spurlock. Now, uh, the, the reason that I know Morgan Spurlock is uh, I researched it for this sermon. I had no idea who he was before this. But here's what happened. Morgan Spurlock, in the year 2004, did a documentary called supersize me. Has anybody heard of that documentary? Okay, now you're starting to make the connection of who this is, right? So here's what Morgan Spurlock did. He vowed for 30 days that he would only eat at McDonald's. And so he did. And if that's not bad enough, he also vowed that any time a McDonald's employee asked him, would you like to supersize that? He had to say yes. Yeah, you can imagine. After 30 days, here are some of the things that Morgan encountered. And by the way, the documentary is one hour, 39 minutes, and 43 seconds long. If you want to catch it, it's on YouTube. I guarantee you'll never look at fast food the same. But here's what happened to Morgan. 30 days, McDonald's only, had to say yes to supersize. He estimated that he began to eat roughly 5,000 calories a day. At the end, near the end, where he was being regularly tested, at least he's not an idiot, right? He's going to the doctor. He had a rise in his cholesterol level. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> he also had a liver start to break down. The liver functioning was breaking down because there was just so much that the liver was trying to process. The liver is kind of like the air filter in your air conditioning system, right? It catches all the contaminants and filters it out. His liver was starting to, to not work well. But that wasn't all. It wasn't just that. It, he started to experience mood swings. He's not normally a moody guy, but for some reason, he just got moody. You know, he got, and it wasn't hangry. He was consuming 5,000 calories a day, right? So it had to be something else, right? And furthermore, he noticed a lack of cognitive ability, which is kind of a bad news if you're a documentary maker. You got to have your smarts about you. And he also noticed a fall off in his energy and ability to concentrate. Does this sound like anyone you know? I was waiting for everybody to point at their spouse or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all these things. Only 30 days for fast food. Now, he began to research, so why is that, what's going on, all these kinds of things, and he made some interesting discoveries. There are some significant impacts to eating only fast food, and here are some of them, obviously, nutritional deficiencies. What? Fast food's not whole and complete? <laughs> no, really, it is. Uh, weight gain, obesity, uh, did you know that the United States, I think, if I remember the statistics right, is now the most obese nation in the world? And I'm not talking just like slightly, over like they're, we're, we're over the top, folks. 
um, the calories are dense, but they don't satisfy. What that means is as you eat, you're getting the 5,000 calories a day, but your, your signals are saying that's not enough. And so you continue to eat. And I'll tell you why in just a second. Uh, obviously, poor heart health, increase of chronic disease. Uh, see, your body begins to lose the ability not just to function normally, to, to, but to stave off all the other things that might come. So these are all the, the effects of a, a bad diet. Uh, lack of energy, poor cognitive function, we mentioned that. The energy crashes, digestive issues. Did you know that one of the ingredients, uh, I swear you're going to hate me. If you love McDonald's, I'm sorry in advance. But did you know that one of the ingredients that they coat the fries with is designed specifically to, to not allow the grease to spatter when it gets hot? That's not digestible. That's a chemical, and we're eating it. So you're welcome. Anyway, uh, poor mood and mental health, all of these things are contributing to a, a basically an epidemic. This was in 2004. He did this documentary, and he's highlighting all these things. And, and you may be asking yourself, well, how could people get so addicted to fast food? And, and why does this, why do we continue to do things that are bad for us? Well, it turns out that there's actually science behind this. The other thing that you don't know about McDonald's fries, but you'll never look at the same. Should I stop? Is this too much? <laughs> uh, okay. So when they're going through the process of cutting these little potatoes, which are, are good to start with, right? They cut the potatoes in this machine, and as it comes out, it gets sprayed with dextrose. Anybody know what dextrose is? It's sugar. Yeah. Why would you want french fries with sugar? Because you crave it and you will be addicted to it and you will buy more. That is the sole reason for that, right? And not to mention the, the salt and all the other things. There, there are big things that our bodies crave naturally. And our bodies know that to survive, you gotta have some sugar, you gotta have some fat, and you gotta have some salt. Uh, that spells french fry, <laughs> right? Among other things at McDonald's, right? So this is all the stuff that he's discovering and all the effects on the body. And, and your body begins to actually crave those things. You, you get an actual dopamine release. It's a neurotransmitter. That, it's like the reward center of the brain. When you get hit with that fat, salt, and sugar, your brain says, oh, way to go, good job, yeah? And your body goes, what are you thinking? All right, this is, this is the, the thing that happens between the mind and the body is all this is, is getting digested. Does anybody hate me yet? Can I, can I keep going, all right? Okay, good. <laughs> All right, so this is what happens with fast food. The other thing is, it's just a habitual thing. I mean, let's face it, guys, fast food is easy, right? We're busy people. We got a lot of stuff to do. I don't have time to sit down at a table. In fact, I don't even have time to get out of my car. I got to eat in my car on the way to practice. Where else can you do that unless it's fast food? Am I right? Yes, I'm right, because I know this, because I was a soccer dad of three girls growing up. I remember changing clothes in the car. I probably shouldn't say that. Um, because I was driving. No. <laughs> it's a long story. Multitasking taken to a whole new level. But you, you know what I'm talking about. It's just easy to eat fast food. Not only that, but you can get addicted to it, as I've just shown. There's a lot of other things that they inject into the food. I don't want you to hate me too much, so I'm going to stop there. But watch the documentary. One hour, 39 minutes, 43 seconds of your life. You'll never look at food the same. So when you see all this, you're thinking, man, I, this is crazy. Why would people do this? But here's what else I think is crazy, and, and maybe even uh, more insidious is lurking behind this idea of this fast food, and that is spiritual fast food. Anybody know what I'm talking about, spiritual fast food? It's that stuff that sounds good, that makes us comfortable, it makes us feel good, but it's empty calories. It's hollow. There's really nothing to it. It's platitudes. 
it's feel good, it's pop psychology and all these other things, but it's not real spiritual growth. It's spiritual junk food. And it has some of the same effects as we're gonna talk about here in just a second. Now, I didn't make this up. Paul talks about this. The, 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 the Colossian church is going through some struggles. And the setting of what we're gonna to read today, if you wanna to follow along, is gonna be in Colossians chapter two. What Paul is writing them about is, they, he did not found this church, but they were doing well. But they have a big problem, really two big problems. One of the big problems that they're encountering is they live in the heart of an area that is big in the Roman mythology. You know, the gods, Zeus, all, the, all those knuckleheads. Uh, no, no, they're not real. <laughs> I'm okay, right? So Zeus and all that stuff, they have a huge influence on the culture. So as people are trying to learn how to follow Christ, they've got a lot of baggage that they're dragging along from all this uh, culture that they have been steeped in, right? Well, that's one side of the equation. On the other side of the equation, there's a Jewish population there. And this is not bad, but they are the old school Jews that still believe in the Torah and the following of the law. So as people are trying to figure out how to live in forgiveness and grace through Jesus Christ, they're being told, you must follow all these rules or you're not really kosher with God. Wow, they didn't mean to say that, but that came out. So there you go. All right. So they've got a lot of conflicting things happening in the culture, and this is what Paul is writing to them about. He's basically saying, look, you guys have a great foundation. You have a great spiritual diet. Continue that work. Now, as we read, I'm gonna read verses one, or excuse me, verses six through 10. As you read, I want you to listen for the three C's that are the key to our success in spiritual growth and working toward Christ's likeness, the three C's. Listen to see if you can hear them. This is what Paul says. uh, Can you advance the slides also? I'm sorry, I I can't talk and click at the same time. It's a disaster. (laughs) All right, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. These are the words of God for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. Did you catch the three C's? Anybody catch them? Oh, come on, one's so easy. Softball across the plate. Christ, yes, yes. There's two other C's. Captive, I heard captive. We'll get to it. All right, let's start with that one. This is good. All right, so don't be taken captive. Basically, he's saying, hey, there are things out there that are trying to draw your attention. In this particular case, it was Roman mythology and Jewish uh, adherence to the Torah. In our case, I think we actually have it worse, folks, because we don't just have two competing interests. We have about a bazillion. Have you been on the internet lately? Everybody is clamoring for your attention and everybody has the answer to whatever your problem is. And it's either with three easy down payments or one magic pill. That's the way that this society works. Everybody is trying to get our attention to help our lives be so much better. And and I gotta tell you that uh, I have tried some of these things. I have been victim to, oh, I'll just buy this program and my life will be totally different. You know what was different? My bank account. That's what was different. It really didn't make any uh, any difference in the end of the day. Right? Nothing really changed except my bank account. And that's exactly what they wanted. 
Now, I'm not saying that everything is bad. I'm not saying to poo-poo everything that's out there. There's some good because any truth is God's truth. I mean, if somebody says something wise and you can follow that thread back, it's probably coming from God or the Bible or both, right? So what Paul is saying is don't be taken captive by deceptive philosophy. Well, let's start with what is philosophy? And philosophy in this sense is basically the way that we interact with the world. It forms how we behave, what we believe. So in this case, Paul specifically talks to, it forms your identity. If you are the church in, in Colossae, you are formed in an identity of Christ, or, or you should be formed in the identity of Christ. And we can say the same thing. If we are Jesus followers, words are, we should be formed in the identity of Christ. So when you're looking, well, who am I? What, what is it really all about? Well, let me, let me cut to the chase for you. You are a child of God, and what it's all about is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Did I just make your life simpler? Uh, I made it simpler, but I didn't make it any easier, I guarantee. I, in fact, I probably just made it harder, right? You guys are going to hate me by the end of this, right? Let's just get, keep going here. I'm going to dig a deeper hole. The other thing that it impacts our philosophy and the way we interact with the world is our morality. What do we believe to be true? How do we act? What is acceptable? What is not acceptable? When Paul says to be careful not to be taken captive by these hollow and deceptive ideas, it's much like a spiritual junk food. You take in the thoughts. They feel good. You feel like you're eating something, but at the end of the day, they don't hold up when you need them. And when you're in crisis mode, do you fall back on those words, or do you find them vapid? That's a word we don't use enough. Uh, I'm going to use that more. Yeah, the empty, hollow, meaningless, right? I, in my life, I have found that to be true, that when I stray outside of this, it doesn't have any staying power. Maybe for a short time, maybe I feel good, but when I really need something, when I really need strength in this life, this is where it comes from. It has been true for all of my trips around the sun, whether I recognized it or not. So don't be taken in by foolish uh, or, or hollow and, and uh, empty philosophies. At, this, at the seminary I attended, Asbury Seminary, there was a statue of John Wesley. And every student that went to Asbury Seminary had to walk by John Wesley preaching every morning. And they did that on purpose. They knew what they were doing. And at the bottom of the statue, which you can't see by his feet, there's a plaque. I couldn't get a picture of the plaque, but I got a picture of John Wesley's own words. This was published in, what is it, 1787. Uh, wow, my eyesight is not what it used to be. I'm going to step over here. Uh, basically, this is what John Wesley says. I am not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist, either in Europe or America. But I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. And this will undoubtedly be the case unless they hold fast both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they first set forth. What was their fundamental doctrine? that the Bible is the whole and sole rule of both Christian faith and life. That's what every student at Asbury Seminary had to walk by every morning before they went to class. That's spiritual whole food, not spiritual junk food. That was Wesley's concern. Not that Methodism would ever cease to exist, but that we would exist in form without power. We would go through the motions without the meaning. We would go through spiritual junk food and say nice things that make people feel comfortable, but never equip them for life, like real life, like we hear about today. 
It's maybe the medical crisis. It's a relational crisis. It's a job crisis. It's whatever crisis. But if we're not equipped, we'll be swept away with all the hollow doctrines of the day. But if we are equipped, we can stand through anything on the solid rock. That's what John Wesley was afraid of. Now, warning signs. If you ever hear me or any other church do these things, you know you're about to get some spiritual junk food. Here's some of them. Do I give you a message or a massage? Right? Do I give you the God's word or do I just make you feel good for the day and just kick you out the door and say, I hope you feel better? Yeah, I hope you do feel better, but I hope it's because of God's truth, not because of something clever I say. Uh, the church never requires any change. Come as you are and celebrate that. I'm not talking about just one thing. We all have our stuff, and I am chief among you. But I expect that when I come in this door and I encounter God's spirit, when I encounter the living God, that I will recognize that somewhere in my life I'm falling short. And I, I, I expect you, maybe you do the same thing. But my desire is not to stay falling short. My desire is to become more like Christ on this spiritual journey as I work toward Christ-likeness. And again, I am chief among you. I can't do this by myself. I'm not strong enough or smart enough. Fortunately, I know one who is. He sends the Holy Spirit to remind us of everything that we've been taught, to transform us again into something new, not just something better, to make us look like the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the change that's required, and we all fall victim to that. Many times in the news media, you'll hear one issue cited or one hot topic addressed. But folks, we all have stuff. That's why we're here. Uh, is this a hospital for sinners or a hall of saints? I can answer that for you because I am here. It's a hospital for sinners. This is where we belong if we want to be transformed together. And then finally, the, the last warning sign is the cross and or the Bible are not relevant anymore. I shudder to say this. I never thought you would hear it out of my mouth, but there are people preaching today that hold this up and say, this is no longer relevant. We have to find a new way. You know what makes me shudder? Is that this very book, uh, you can Google this. Google this phrase. And they did what was right in their own eyes. And then see how it turns out for that culture. And notice I say culture, not the individual, not even family. I'm talking about entire cultures. And we think we know better than the God of the living, <laughs> the God who created the universe, that we're setting ourselves up for big failure. That's what I believe. The guidebook has been written. The Holy Spirit reminds us of everything that we have and is willing to help us transform. That's the, the rock that I want to stand on. So if you ever hear any of that, it means that you're about to get some spiritual junk food. So just be aware. And if you ever hear it from me, slap me. All right. Uh, this is another thing that Paul wrote to a protege of his. Timothy was a young preacher that Paul took a liking to and began to mentor over the course of time. And he tells Timothy these very words. He says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Anybody hear that happening today? Yeah, absolutely. You can go anywhere and hear anything you want. That's the beauty and, and curse of the internet. If you don't agree with someone, you can find 10 people that you do agree with. Now, 
whether I'm right or wrong is immaterial. We're just agreeing on something, right? And when we want to hear things, it's generally because we want to justify something that we're doing that we maybe shouldn't be doing. But we don't want to change. We want to be comfortable. We want sermons that make us feel good. Well, I, I again, hope that the Word of God makes you feel good. But because there is hope, because there's transformation. The other thing that, uh, that comes up here, uh, you say, well, Bill, I, I don't want to offend anybody. Well, I don't want to offend anybody either. I don't wake up in the morning and go, let's see, on my list of people to offend today, there are, I got to get on these people, right? I don't want to be offensive, but I also don't want to tell people lies. And I found this quote that I uh, thought was penetrating. It says, it's better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than falsehood that comforts and then kills. Hey, folks, if we're people of the word, we have to be able to speak the truth. Now, that doesn't mean we bludgeon people with it. That doesn't mean that we're just, you know, virulent about it. But the truth needs to be spoken in this world today. People need to hear the truth. They also need to hear the truth with grace. They need to hear the truth in light of forgiveness because that's what Jesus came for. But they need to hear the truth. The truth that might hurt but then heal versus the lie that will comfort and then kill. If we belong to a church called WordServe, and, and this was on purpose, folks, the, the founding pastor, Nolan Donald, named the church WordServe so that we would always preach and teach the word and serve the world and never let those two come apart because they go together. But notice which one comes first, word. The word is everything. The word guides how we, our philosophy, how we interact with the world. What is our identity? What is our morality? What do we believe? How do we interact with people? Word comes first on purpose. Word will be when nothing else is. It's the word that will stand. So the other C, I, heard, I thought I heard maybe continue. Yep, I heard it somewhere. Good. All right, so the other C is, is actually the cure. Paul is encouraging them, continue what you had. Continue in your journey with Christ. Continue what you've been doing. You've been doing awesome. So in Christ, I love this analogy because he talks about being rooted in Christ and built up. So literally, from the very tip of my toes to the very hair on my head, I am rooted. I am built up. Everything in me is Christ. There is 100% Christ. Now, am I there yet? No. Am I working on it? Every day. I am working toward it every day. I hope you are too. And this is what he said also to Timothy back there. He said, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. This is where I talk about that people need to hear the truth, but they don't need to be beat up by it. With great patience. You know who I'm glad has really great patience? Jesus. Because <laughs> if he didn't, I wouldn't be here, literally, and, and figuratively. I would not be here. That is my great hope. So how can I be a Jesus follower and not also exercise great patience and instruction? It just doesn't work that way. Uh, careful instruction. So this is my big pitch for everyone to, to understand that our beliefs do not shape the truth. We can believe whatever we want, but it doesn't make it true. Instead, truth should shape our beliefs. 
You know what I don't believe in? I decided this morning. I don't believe in gravity. <laughs> How's that going to work out for me? Right? That doesn't make it reality. Gravity is gravity. That's just the way it's going to be. So if I walk off the stage right now, what's going to happen? I don't believe in gravity. Right? Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Our beliefs do not shape our truth, but truth should shape our beliefs. So then the question becomes, how do we know what's true? I'm so glad you asked because we have all kinds of opportunities. Now, this QR code, I'm going to give you advanced time. I'm going to leave it up here for just a minute. This QR code will take you to an app called Uversion. It's a Bible app. It's a wonderful app. I have it on my phone. I use it every day, at least every day. Jeff is holding up a model. Thank you, Van and my hand model right there. So if you snap this, it will take you to Uversion. You can read the Bible. That's the easy part. It's got all kinds of uh, translations depending on what you, you want to read. It also has reading plans that you can subscribe to. You can invite friends. Imagine social media being a positive thing. You can invite friends to join a Bible reading plan with you. You can comment with people all over the globe on the, the study that you're on or that you're reading. It's a wonderful tool. So I encourage you to at least give it a shot. Again, what's the worst that can happen? You don't like it. Well, delete the app. That's okay. But now you've got this thing with you. I mean, who doesn't have their phone 24-7 anymore, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> There's always that one holdout. No way. Yeah. But, but, but most people have it. And, and, you know, last week we talked about the phylacteries that the, the Jews wore. They wore the, the forehead piece that had the scripture that they were supposed to remember, and they wrapped the, the thing around their wrist as well. It's all part of the phylactery. Well, welcome to the modern phylactery. It's your phone, right? There is no reason that you can't have the Word of God at hand anytime you want. In fact, you can push a button and it will read it to you in different accents. I'm still waiting for the Darth Vader one, right? <laughs> I am no father. No, so all right. <clears throat> so version is the QR code. You can snap that. But coming up, we also have community groups. That, this is the place where rubber meets the road. You can ask questions that you don't normally get to ask. You can go out and experiment in the world. You can bring your experience back to your group and say, hey, this is what's happening. Why isn't this working? What should I do? Can you help me pray through this? This is part of being community together. It's coming up. It will be starting in September. The other thing that's coming up is Immersed Bible Study. If you are not a member of a community group or maybe you're not ready to commit to a community group yet, this might be a great place to start. This is a joint effort with us and First Fulcher Methodist right there, right? Actually, today they're right there. They're remodeling the sanctuary. But anyway, uh, it's like a book club. That's the way I would liken it. It's a book that, is, that takes a chunk of scripture. You read it like a book club. You meet like a book club. There's a discussion facilitator, and you talk about the word. It's a beautiful thing. It might be a chance to meet some of our brothers and sisters at our sister church. So all these opportunities are coming up, and I'm telling you well in advance so that you can investigate and you can ask questions and maybe even form a group. Uh, who's to say you don't do this at your workplace as a lunch group? Oh, there's a novel idea. Yeah, let's bring Christ to work. Can we do that? Yes, we can. Yes. So it is all possible. Now, here's the thing. You are what you eat whether that's physically or spiritually. And there is a war going on inside of us because our created nature desires spiritual whole food. But our fallen nature craves that spiritual junk food. Which one's going to win? I'll tell you which one's going to win. The one we feed. Which one will you feed? Lord, serve my prayer for us is that we would enjoy the spiritual whole food 
not as a holier-than-thou type of thing, but because that is where transformation takes place. That is where people will see Christ through us. And man, the world needs to see Christ. Will you eat with me? Will you diet with me? Will you show Christ to the world? Let's pray. God, we thank you for that spiritual whole food. Even though we rebel against it sometimes, we don't always like what we hear. It makes us uncomfortable. It demands that we change some things about our life and our fallen nature. But God, it's done in a way that gives us grace and forgiveness, that gives us strength and peace. All of these things, God, have a common denominator, and that is the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. That's how we get to overflowing with thankfulness, as Paul writes about. God, forgive us when we stray, but you know how we're wired in this fallen body of ours. Uh, we stray often, but you forgive more. We go to places and things that we shouldn't, but your grace extends farther and deeper still. It's your love that calls us back home when we stray, and for that we're grateful. We can't say thank you enough. You thought it was important enough to send your son on a cross for us. God, help us to never take that for granted so that as we face the trials and tribulations of this world, we know that we stand on a solid rock, one that will never leave us, one that will never forsake us, one that will never let us down. God, help us to rest in that this morning and every day into eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.